Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Crossan, and I'm here to help you build a brand, make an impact, and have some fun on social media. I'm the owner of Fun Love Media, a social media management and content creation agency in Houston, Texas. I'm a wife, a mom of two, and when I'm not working or with my family, you can find me on my Peloton bike or tread, dancing on social media, or cuddle up with wine watching reality television. Please know that the show could include some grown-up language here or there. <laughs> Let's get started. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, episode 129. I am your hostess, Brittany Crossan. Hello. Welcome to another episode. I'm so stoked that you're here. I am here to help you build a brand, make an impact, and have fun on social media. In this show, we talk about social media. We talk about online marketing, entrepreneurship, Um it's really, really a cool thing that I get to do that I am so thankful for. This show means so much to me. So I truly appreciate you taking the time. It's a great episode. Of course, I have another great guest because my guests are always great, if I do say so myself. My guest today is Rich Bracken. He and I are talking about authenticity on social media and in business. Um, Rich has so much to offer. He's a thought leader. He's a speaker. He he appears on television. He helps um, businesses and people with so many things. Emotional intelligence was one of them that we you know talked about, and he explained what that was. And um, the authenticity chat was actually really really good. It's we talked about things that you just don't always hear when it comes to authenticity. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that in a second. And I'm going to ask you something that has to do with authenticity. But first, I have to tell you. So my family and I, this last weekend, we went to out to eat. We went to Benihana. All right. So just a little fun story real quick. We, first of all, Benihana, like, I'm sorry, like you, I don't know, maybe you don't like it, but if you don't like it, I don't know if we can be friends. It is so good. (laughs) I have loved Benihana for years and I could just eat like a bucket of that fried rice. I mean, I know it's got a lot of like butter and salt and whatnot, and I just don't care. Don't care at all. I will eat a bucket of it. It's delicious. And the soup and the, ugh, everything. Anyway, okay. So no, this is not sponsored by Benihana, but call me Benihana, maybe. Um, so we went to dinner, Ryan and I, um, and the kiddos, Rowdy and Romy, and we went to downtown Houston to that location of Benihana, which is like only like five miles from our house. It's really close. And um, so the fun part of the story, though, that kind of relates, not kind of, definitely relates to social media is that... We, you know, of course I had a plan because I was like, look, I work at home most days. I go to the office like only once a week. Um, I'm kind of in the same environment. You're seeing my videos on the the treadmill and the the spin bike, right, in my home. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be in a new location. I'm going to be downtown Houston with skyscrapers. Like we have to get some content, of course, like, come on. And if you have this approach, I'm telling you, your social media will become easier for you because it's top of mind. Like you're always just considering it and you just slide in some content, you know, whenever you can. So I had done like a before shot on a video, which I don't do a lot of transition reels videos. Um, I don't know. It's just not really my favorite thing to do. I guess that's why. But, you know, they're fun to do sometimes. So I did like a before where I was like getting ready and I had no makeup on yet, whatever. And then the next shot, I was ready and with them downtown, like in front of Benihana on the on the sidewalk there in front of the restaurant. So it was fun and they played along and they're like good sports about most things when it comes to social media. But we also so we go in and we eat and it went really good and it's making me hungry just thinking about it. And then afterward, um, we had seen like when we walked in that there's this huge mural um, on the side of this building right there by Benihana of these dancers leaping. And uh, Romy and I, of course, liked it a lot you know, even more so than the boys did. And we were, we were like, we have to get closer. Romy's like, yeah, we need to go over here. And I was like, yeah, Ryan, you're going to have to take photos. Like we need photos. We need videos. We need all, all the things. <laughs> and so here we are, this family of four downtown Houston on a Saturday evening. Um, not very late because our reservation was at 4.30. <laughs> they didn't have they didn't have a reservation for in-between time, so we had to eat at 
<laughs> I'm laughing just because it's like, woo, wild Saturday night. Um, anyway, there was plenty of daylight when we got done. We were like, we got to get closer to this thing. This art is beautiful. It's blue. And in my mind, I'm thinking marketing, right? Because like blue is a color that's like proven to be good for marketing. It's proven to especially be good on Instagram. Like I'm going like, I need this color blue in my video. So we get closer to it. And like, we're on the corner of a street, like kind of diagonal from this thing. And I'm like having Ryan take my picture. Like, it's so funny whenever you have a solid like personal brand, you're showing up, right? Like you're showing photos and videos of yourself. Like I do. And like you probably do on social media that you like have moments where you need your kids to like not be in the picture. It's so funny. It's like, Okay, this is not about you. This is about mommy right now. So scooch over. Um, so I had Ryan take a couple of pictures and I took some pictures of Romy and we're like, like I said, like across the street and she was like, we have to get closer. And I'm like, oh, all right, fuck it. Like, I don't know. What else are we going to do tonight? We're going to go home and watch a movie and drink some wine, right? So we may as well do this. And so we went across and we went to the actual parking lot, like right in front of this huge piece of art, like huge, like it's taller, way taller than your house, right? And it was so much fun. I'm, I don't know if we looked ridiculous, but I don't even care. Like the four of us were in this like parking lot and we're doing photos. We're doing videos. The kids were in a video with me. I did a dancing video on my own and uh, we did all the things and we had a great, great, great time. So I just want to encourage you, like if you have moments like that and you're out and about or even you're just in your front yard, like just go for it. You know, if you want content for social media, you want to change it up and and you're in a cool location, um, do it, right? Just get a little something. Even if you're not dancing, take advantage of your surroundings and and get those photos and that video footage. You never know when it's going to come in handy. And what's cool is that in the process, you're creating memories. I mean, we created memories for our family that night by doing that silliness in the middle of a parking lot (laughs) in between skyscrapers. And it was so fun. So anyway, just a fun story I thought I would share with you. You can look on my Instagram and my TikTok to see some of that content uh, that we filmed, excuse me, at Brittany Crossan. Anytime you want to check it out. Okay. So I said I want to have a little chat with you about authenticity because um, that's what Rich and I are talking about in his interview here in just a few minutes. I'm just going to take a couple minutes and I want to ask you something because I want you to think about this. It matters and it relates to social media, but also like fucking life in general is are you making decisions in your life based upon what someone has told you about you? So what I mean by that is, here's an example. If I like if 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 my parent said to me when I was, you know, from 5 years old to and on, said something like, um, well, you know, math isn't your strong suit, you know. Sure, you're not that great at math, but you might be good at this. Like, you know, they have good intentions. Maybe they're trying to consider like, okay, no you're not good at math but you could be good at this, right? So even if they're not being malicious or cruel, there might be have been someone in your life that told you what you are. That's a simple, simple example. But what might happen to me as a kid if I heard my parents say, I know you don't like math. I know you're not great at math, but we still have to do it because you got to do school or whatever. It would probably stick in my mind because this person has influence on me because I care. It's my parent, right? It would probably stick in my mind that they told me that I don't like math and that I'm not good at it. Now, I may have also said those things, but the impact it has on us when someone tells us what we are is huge, especially if it comes from a loved one. In fact, most of this comes from loved ones. So, This could be something that you don't even realize has happened to you, and it could be affecting your life in general. But obviously here I'm talking about how you show up in front of an audience on social media. You know, you might be like, well, I I am just not, you know, the outgoing video person. Why do you say that? What what do you mean you're not that person? What does it mean? Now, did you choose that on your own? independently, you don't want to be that person, you don't want to be a certain way, that's one thing. That's that's fine. We'll accept that. <laughs> but if you dig 
you may realize that somewhere along the way, someone told you that or made you think that even if they weren't trying to hurt you. In fact, they may have been trying to help you. They may have thought they were helping you. What if somebody said, look, you're not, you're not in front of the camera person. You're my behind the scenes helper. And I need you behind the scenes. Like this could be an example of something someone said to you, maybe at school or something. And maybe you, you subconsciously took that and ran with it. And now you've been thinking all this time that you're not this, you're this when you could be fucking wrong. You could be the in front of the camera person. Like I said, you have to, you have to really break it down and determine how did you make that decision independently because you wanted to, or are you just living that way and being that way because you were told that you were that way? It's it's really tricky, especially with parenting. I'm sure some of you parents out there don't understand. I work really hard. It's it's hard. It's tricky because it's words, right? In word, you know, words sometimes are just words. Sometimes words are huge and profound, but sometimes words are just words. Like how I say fuck a lot. Like it's just a word, right? Like it doesn't mean anything negative to anybody. But but you know, words with kids is a different story. And I try so hard not to do this. And I've caught myself in situations I'm like, oh, don't say it that way, Brittany. Don't make them think that they're this. Let them discover what they are, right? Don't tell them they're this. So anyway, I, 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 don't, I if you any of you parents out there understand, please, I would love for you to message me and tell me like your tricks because I know I have, I just work hard to intentionally like not tell my kids what they are and who they are and also not telling them what disadvantages there are for them. Like for me, I would never tell Romy, now Romy, there's going to be instances where you're at a disadvantage because you're a girl. That's just not how I roll. I'm not going to fucking tell her that because I don't fucking think that, you know? Um, and so I don't want to put that, plant that seed in her, in her mind. And then she, I don't know. What if then she always just thinks she's at a disadvantage in life just because she's a female when maybe she's actually not. Maybe she would be at some point. I'm just saying that I don't want to put that. So it's, it's, it's similar with us as grownups. We have to look back and you know how, to, how it is. It's like all this deep shit like usually starts with childhood. <laughs> so think back on these things, especially if you feel limited by something. If you feel limited and you don't want to show up on social media a certain way or doing a certain thing, or you think nobody will care, or you think that you're not smart enough or good enough or talented enough, or what you say doesn't matter, or you're not really actually impacting that many people, so who cares? If you're having these limiting beliefs when it comes to showing up on social media, start to evaluate why you're having these beliefs and dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And you just might realize that you were wrong all along and that the only reason why you have these limiting beliefs is because someone told you what you were, how you were, and who you were. And no, nobody else gets to tell us what we are and who we are and what we should be doing with our lives, you know? And so, again, it's not always with bad intent. So we have to keep that in mind that, that humans are humans and they say things maybe because they're trying to protect us or because they do love us and maybe they're trying to spin the table and, and make it, you know, what? who knows, right? Um, so I'm not trying to encourage you to like get pissed off at all these people that told you shit. You know, it's okay. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. But it's a good time to, it's a good time to think about this because this conversation of authenticity with Rich is really good. And authenticity on social media is not always easy to find. I think you and I both know that, that, that you can find it, but you can also find plenty of the other shit. So those of us that decide we're going to strip ourselves of these things that people told us we were or weren't or what we could or couldn't do and what our limits are, we're going to strip ourselves of all of that and just show up as our true selves in social media, but also, of course, in our business, in our lives. Um, we are the winners. We are the leaders. We are the ones that are going to feel more fulfilled, more joyous, have more of a zest for life. Because whenever you're being your true self, there's really, really nothing like it. So I hope that that helps. I hope that you'll think about it. I hope that you'll reach out to me. This is a podcast. I, we can't have a back and forth conversation. So I would love for you to message me and tell me what you thought about this talk. Tell me what you think about um, authenticity on social media and in your life. 
please DM me on, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Facebook, wherever the hell you want to DM me, please do. And please make sure and follow the show on Instagram and on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. And then pretty soon we're going to be on TikTok as well. Social Sunshine Podcast. All right. Coming up next is my guest, the one and only Rich Brackett. Today's guest is an internationally acclaimed thought leader, television and media contributor, consultant, and keynote speaker on emotional intelligence, motivation, and business differentiation through client experience and branding. For over 20 years, he has been researching how businesses of all sizes and their teams rise and fall with various styles of leadership. And some fun facts, and this is super fun. He climbed out of a blimp Yes, a blimp. 1,000 feet over the Atlantic Ocean the same week he competed in a ballroom dancing contest in front of 1,000 people, both on national television. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, Rich Bracken. Um, What? (laughs) (laughs) True, true story. So um, both both events happened within the same I guess there's sub events of a bigger event. So I was on a game show years ago on ESPN called I'd Do Anything. So imagine like a sports version of Fear Factor. And for those of you who are not old enough to know what Fear Factor is, look it up. It's fantastic. It's 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 the most terrifying show ever ever put on t- on television. Um, but part of what we did was that there were three people that competed, and we had to do three events. We had to win one of the events to go on to the finale. So there's four events total. And so one, so the first event is that we blocked uh, hundred mile an hour fastballs with a boxing mitt, um, which was a lot of fun. Can't catch it, obviously, just trying to block it. Um, the second one was human curling uh, on an ice rink and a pair of biker shorts and a helmet, nothing else. Uh, so imagine sliding across the ice into <laughs> you know, oh, it's it's phenomenal television. Um, and the cool thing was that they didn't tell us anything that we were doing until right before it actually happened. So we did the first two in Los Angeles. They put us on a plane to go to Las Vegas for the third one. We're like, okay, what is in Las Vegas? It's not in Los Angeles. And so, you know, here you are like racking your brain, trying to think of all these things like, okay, there's gambling, there's boxing, all these things. So I'm thinking it's boxing. So I'm getting myself like all psyched up and like listening to like all my workout mixes and everything. I'm in the hotel room and they finally have the production team and comes and gets us. And they're like, okay, we're going outside to tell you what's going on. And so we walked outside and the host was like, you're going to be competing in this Olympic sport. And there's all the, you know, it's, it's going to be intense. And there's going to be a lot, there's going to be a thousand people in the audience. You're going to be competing in that. And he points behind us and, you know, the, the Las Vegas strip, you have all the marquees with all the shows and everything that's going to be on. And it said Nevada ballroom dancing competition. And of course I love dancing and I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed dork. So like, I'm like all about it. And so they put us in these satin mariachi shirts and spandex pants and they give us a dance instructor and we had an hour, no, two hours to learn a dance and like choreograph a dance. And then we performed it in front of this huge audience. So that was that. And then the last stunt was that they flew us to New York. And again, we're like, why are we going to New York? We went up, it was the week before the US Open tennis tournament. We went up in the AmeriQuest mortgage blimp a thousand feet of the Atlantic Ocean. And we had to climb down tennis nets outside of the blimp and pull like Velcro tennis balls off this net and put them in a bag and then climb back up into the blimp. So yeah. Mm, Fear of heights. Mm, yeah. Same. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, how yeah. did it turn out? Uh, it turned out that um, the guy that I was competing against, there were three of us and it got down to two of us in the finale. The guy I was competing against got two and a half feet higher than me because my because my arms just my body just gave out like the shock of it all my body just yeah it was the first time in my life that I was talking to my body and it wasn't responding it was like yeah no we're done thanks like I know you're saying keep going keep going don't let go but yeah we're done we're done here (laughs) so but I don't I don't regret what the hell are you doing to us rich get off the damn blimp (laughs) like the brain is telling us that we're looking down over this gigantic ocean and we're hooked to a blimp by a strap so yeah we're gonna go ahead and say no thanks and we're done so we're out Uh, yeah that's totally understandable (laughs) that's an amazing story I had no idea and I when I read that on your information for the show I was like Okay, that is, I have to ask him about this. <laughs> I didn't even mention it before we started recording because I wanted to wait till we were recording. Um, right. I love that. And you're also a fellow Peloton member. 
like yes. me, a fellow music lover, yes. um, we have some some really cool things in in common. So, but I'm so thankful that you're here and that you took the time. I know it's a really big treat for everybody listening, um, especially anybody that's seeing you on television. You're on television a lot. Um, yes. I love getting to see that when you share it on social media. You guys talk about such cool stuff when you appear on TV. So, yeah. but I want to know. Okay, let's just rewind a little bit. How sure. did you? it started in this world that you're in now, like the actual work you do now as a thought leader, as a speaker, as a consultant, why did you start and when did you start? Sure. So, um, I appreciate the question. And also I appreciate you having me on the show. So I, I don't want it to go by that. I didn't thank you for that too. Um, so they kind of happened separately, um, all converging into one present uh, circumstance. So, the TV stuff actually happened on accident. So I, I, <laughs> I have two amazing sons. And when our second was born, my wife went out on a girl's night. It was like a couple of weeks after our second son was born. And so I was like, no, 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 go with your friends. Go have, you know, go have a night out, enjoy yourself, go have dinner, drinks, whatever. I got it, you know, totally like I'm that dad. I'm, I'm very involved and I love my sons very much. I love spending time with them. And literally from the door, the time, the door, the garage door hit the ground and my wife was gone. Like all hell broke loose. Like everything that could have gone wrong. Like the baby was not happy. He was not eating. He was, you know, freaking out. Of course, the entire time I'm like panicking, trying to calm him down. And my, our three-year-old at the time was walking by going, well, this is the worst boys night ever. I'm like, Oh my God, this is in. And so long story short, I wound up writing a blog about it. And it was like, dear, it was called dear moms. You're amazing. Because I think moms don't get enough credit for the natural ability they have to soothe children, to care for children. And it's hard work. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work. And I don't think women get enough attention or, does, or respect or appreciation for what they do. So I write this blog, sharing this whole like catastrophic story of like the night falling apart. And one of the local news anchors in Kansas City read it and reached out and said, oh my gosh, I've never heard a man talk from this perspective. Do you want to come on the news and talk about it? I was like, sure, it would be fun. And I, you know, also with an aside of the, I'm that person that was born without the chromosome to be afraid of public speaking and cameras. And I'm like, sure, no problem. People were like, uh, no, I don't want to be in front of a camera, especially on TV. No, thank you. Um, I was just born without that. And so I go on, I do this segment, we're talking about this blog and this whole perspective. And I'll never forget uh, the guy, Nick, who was interviewing me. He's, he's like, thank you so much. It was great. You know, great having you. And so he's walking because it's a little side studio. He's walking back to the main studio and he stops and they're taking my microphone off and he has like an earpiece and he goes, oh, hey, our producer wants to see you on the way out. I was like, oh, you know, fill in the blank. Like, did I curse? Did I say something offensive? Like, are they taking on an FCC fine because of me? And I walk down the hall and there's the station manager and two producers and they go, where the hell did you come from? I went, what are you talking about? They're like, you were so natural and fun and comfortable and relaxed. Do you want to come back and do this again sometime? And here we are, God, it's been six and a half years that I've been doing monthly segments with Fox 4 in Kansas City. And it, we just talk about positive topics and motivational topics every single month. And we have a blast. And I am so grateful to them to continually have me on the show. Um, and then on the speaking side of things, kind of the same thing where I know that I was born with this gift of the lack of fear of public speaking. And so combined with the fact that I found myself on the wrong side of an EKG machine because I was having a panic attack, which I thought was a heart attack, I realized that I needed to do something better for myself, my stress levels, my, you know, daily happiness. And so I started studying emotional intelligence. And the more I read about it, the more I realized how universal it was. And of course, we're all stressed as a society. So I'm like, I got to share this. Like, if I keep this to myself, this is being selfish. So I started presenting on emotional intelligence and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And now I'm delivering keynotes all over the world virtually and traveling all over the country um, in person now, which is great. And so I, here I am like, you know, considered a thought leader or, you know, this media personality and I love it. It's exactly where I want to be. That is so freaking cool. Okay. Wait, before we move on though, explain in case someone doesn't understand what emotional intelligence means. Sure. Yeah. Emotional intelligence, the, the way I present it, because I'm a simpleton, I, I don't want to memorize lots of theories and long sentences and stuff like that. So it basically is how you navigate your emotions and the emotions of those you interact with. And what I call the core four of emotional intelligence is self-awareness, which is how you feel, what your emotions are, both positive and negative, uh, self-management, which is what you do with those emotions, how you handle them, how you let them react, um, 
probably need to have a conversation with Will Smith about that. Um, and then there's social awareness, which is how you're interacting with other people, how you're observing body language, how you're an active listener, uh, and then relationship management, which is all those things tied into one. So if you think about like the first 10 people that come to mind, you have on a scale from one to 10, a different level of relationship with all of them. And so how can you improve relationships through active listening and communication and emotional intelligence? So it's, it's a phenomenal thing, but I, I talk a lot about how people can take back their happiness, both personally and professionally on a daily basis through it. Right. Wow. What an important, I mean, really just hearing you, you know, say all that out loud at once and kind of packaging that for me, like what an important thing. I mean, clearly you agree that it's important to talk about emotional intelligence, right. but I mean, Honestly, it really, really is. I mean, I feel like it's probably one of those things that like we are just going, going, going through life, life, life and, and shit's just happening. And maybe it's, um, one of those things we should kind of chill, slow down and, and think about and, and work on. I love that so much. Okay. Thank you for explaining that just in case sure. somebody was new to the topic. I'm pretty new to the topic actually. Um, mm -hmm. so speaking of topics, yes. so I want to talk to you specifically about authenticity in mm -hmm business and social media, which the listeners are all about. Cause that's why everybody's listening to the show is for social media and business guidance for the most part. Um, what, how do I word this? What do you think like is the biggest, I don't want to say misconception, but like maybe mistake. Like, can we start with that? Like things you see that seem to be wrong when it seems like somebody's being inauthentic in their business, in their social media presence, what are those standout things? It's like red flag, like, nope, you're doing that wrong. We may so, not realize we're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? So I want you to call us out. <laughs> sure. So the first thing I want to, I want to check people's mentality on is the, the fear of numbers, because I feel like everybody gets so wrapped up specifically with social media on how many followers do I have? You know, how many likes am I getting? What kind of traction am I getting? You know, at the end of the day, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the, the algorithms are going to shift. It's, it's literally a digital game that's being played. So what I think is really important from a, from a number standpoint is that the more authentic you are, you're going to get the quality of people that you want to connect with. You're going to get the people that you want to do business with. You know, I, I would much rather have a thousand followers and all of them being very engaged with my content and have, you know, direct relationships with all of them and having them refer me to people, you know, that, that is something that is incredibly valuable to me than have a hundred thousand followers that 99,000 of them are just garbage right. or don't care or don't engage. So I think the fear of numbers is the biggest thing, the biggest misconception. Um, the other thing that drives me banana sandwich is the idea that of, of what I call the topic chasers, you know, it was who we were here about like ambulance shaper, chaser attorneys. I always talk about topic chasers. So people that are, you know, emotional intelligence experts one week, and then they're SEO experts the next week, and then they're NFT experts the next week, and then they're crypto experts the next week. And it's like, they're chasing the fad. Yep. And, you know, it's like saying that you're a, a Jack or Jill of all trades, like, okay, that's great that, you know, all this stuff here, but if I want a, a notable expert on something that I'm willing to pay more money for. So if you're a consultant, for instance, if you know all these things about all these things, and you're at this level of shallowness on your knowledge, I'm, you're not commanding a premium from me. You can get me, you're kind of like a basic user manual for a bunch of topics. But if I need somebody to say, like, if I want somebody to dissect my website and make it as optimal as possible, I want somebody who talks about that specifically. And there, you know, I've consulted people in all kinds of different industries and the fear of the niche is so prevalent. Huge. Like, oh, I, I, yes. don't, I don't want to be known for just one thing. I would, because <laughs> if I can be known for one thing, number one, you have less things to keep up with. You have less things to study. You become an, a resident expert on something. And I'm sorry, like if you had a heart problem, would you go to your general physician to solve your heart problem? Probably not. If you do, we need to have a chat. We have a chat with how much you invest in WebMD. You know, it's really <laughs> important to say, I am an expert. If you want to command the right price for something, this is what you need to be doing. You know, that is really, really important. So I think the fear of numbers, um, the development of relationships and a very quality level, not chasing topics, uh, but then also developing your resident's expert knowledge on something that you can command a higher price and, and get more loyalty and referrals from them. Right. Okay. God, those are so good. Thank you. Okay. So I want to mention something about the numbers thing, because anybody who's been listening to the show for a long time has heard me 
talk about that. Of course that comes up, um, Mm -hmm. with social media, but I've also talked about, it's okay to celebrate when you do grow. And I think that having, and I think that having a good perspective on both of those, it's, you know, one of those balance conversations, which, you know, balance, Mm -hmm. balance, that's really hard to do in most cases, but, but, you know, it, it really does boil down to that. So I like what you said, because sometimes you learn this a long way and it takes a while, but that's okay. Is that it's true. It's about quality. You know, you're, you're over here working hard and showing up on social media and trying to do all the things. And, and then if you are only thinking about the numbers and you're, you know, and you're just destroyed every single time you have a day where you don't gain a follower, it's really not healthy. And it's also distracting while right. yes, of course, when we have growth, I think we should celebrate it. I always encourage people to, cause I don't want them to feel ashamed. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be excited about this, but I love that right. you said that because in the big picture, it really is going to benefit. And you mentioned something specific that people don't think about is referrals. Mm-hmm. Like it's huge. I think, I don't know why people don't think about that more about the fact that sure. just showing up and having that presence Maybe the person that watched it or saw it isn't the person that's going to buy, but you never know who they're going to send to you. A hundred percent. I have had that happen more times than not, where I'll have somebody blindly reach out to me that says, oh, you know, I was looking for something and I was talking with a friend of mine and they referred you because they, they easily translated what you can do. And I think that's another thing. So let me back up. I completely agree on the celebratory thing. Cause I'm not going to say that I'm not fist pumping over here. Every time I, I eclipse another hundred followers or a thousand followers. Like I, I think it's fantastic. And obviously we wouldn't be in business if growth was an important thing. I think to your point, I think it's, it's the, the over obsession with the numbers that gets very dangerous. So whether it's, I didn't gain any followers or I lost a couple of followers. I, and I know that because I've experienced that, you know, there's nothing worse than like going over 5,000 followers. And then you drop to 4,999. You're like, who the hell was that? That dropped off. Like, you know, yes. it's, <laughs> right. You, you get minutely obsessed with that. And so to me, it's, it is about growth. You do want to have a bigger reach. Yes. But it's, it's be cautious of the obsession with the metrics. I think that is, that is where, to your point that where the balance is struck, that you can be very, very um, celebratory, but also cautious about it as well. Right. Um, because at the same time, like as you grow, you may shed some people that aren't doing anything for you, but then you grow, you know, I'd lose, if you lose 50 people that are low quality and then you gain 10, instead of saying, well, I've netted 40 loss on this, you just picked up 10 people that are really happy to be connected with you. That's even better than what you can have. But to the referral point, I've had more people reach out to me saying, I was looking for this. So-and-so knows you, knows your brand, knows you as an individual, understands how authentic you are and happily recommended you to me. That's why I'm here. So I think to your, to the point of authenticity is that number one, if you're consistent in who you are and your messaging, people can easily say like, how easily, how easy are you making it to tell people what you do? Because if you do everything, it's like, well, they do marketing, I think. (laughs) And, but if you could, if you are within a vertical and you are trusted in that and you are consistent in that, and people can trust you as your personal brand and your business brand, people are like, oh my gosh, yes, he's absolutely, he's an emotional intelligence expert. He talks about emotional intelligence. If you need a keynote speaker, this is your guy. I've seen him talk like that. I'll take that all day. You give me 50 people that'll do that for me. I'll take that over a hundred thousand Instagram followers all day long. Right. All day long. Right. Oh my God. Yes. Agree so much. And, and it took me a little while to learn that lesson, but I, I agree with you. Do you, do you think that, do you think that like, am impatience and, um, wanting like, um, like immediate gratification is what you call it, or I don't know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, immediate results, that kind of thing has something to do with people being scared to pick a niche or maybe not pick it. Maybe they already have a niche, but they're just not like uh, marketing themselves that way. Do you think it's, do you think it has something to do with like not being patient enough to realize that like there's a process and you just are trying to do everything all the time and just see what sticks. Right. I completely agree with that. I think the instant gratification society that we've walked ourselves into over the past decade and a half has been so detrimental, especially to small businesses when you think about it, because you know, you do want that growth. And when things aren't, you know, when you take a hit or when you lose a client or when you're not generating as much revenue as you would like, that panic mode starts to set in and it's a little bit of a blend of panic and maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome. And so you're concerned 
that things aren't going the right direction. And so then you start overthinking things and there's nothing worse. Like if you have ever been sold by somebody who is in a very pushy, panicked frame of mind, it's a completely different feeling than somebody who is like, no, I got you. My brand is calm. My, you know, I, this person may be so far behind their quota for the month, but, but because of the demeanor that they carry forward, you would never know it. And so by doing that, it's not on me to solve your problem. You're here to solve mine. So if you're a small business owner, does it do you any good to be overly pushy? Does it do you any good to just rapid fire out as much just surface level empty content as possible because you're trying to hit numbers? I will say all day long that the idea of doing, making an impact, solving problems, helping people you know, it may not immediately translate into to numbers or to, to revenue, but I guarantee you in the long term it will. And I'd much rather you take a big deep breath and understand everything is going to be okay and continue forward with an authentic brand to bring in the right relationships. Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about Small Biz Social Society. I created this mastermind membership back in 2020 because I wanted to help as many ambitious entrepreneurs as possible shine on social media. This amazing community is going strong and is filled with smart, creative, and fun members that are all rising up together. Small Biz Social Society members get access to a huge catalog of social media, online marketing, and business education led by guest experts and yours truly. And we add new classes and resources every single month. A member favorite is definitely our monthly power hour chat where members join me in a live Zoom call to have a business powwow. It's so fun. And the support is priceless. This membership is your one-stop shop, your main resource for online marketing and business guidance. And at just $18 per month, it's a steal. You don't have to do this alone. We're ready to welcome you with open arms. For more information, head to smallbizsocialsociety.com. Right. Wow. Yes. I, I agree with you so much. And I think that also kind of looping into that, like, <clears throat> like you're saying, like if you're trying to sell somebody on something and the pushiness and all that stuff, I, I recently had an experience that made me think about that kind of thing where I just chose in the situation to just not be desperate. Hmm. Okay. And I, it was a, it was a potential client. It was like a meeting and like, you know, I really wanted this client I needed the, you know, and so, but I thought, you have to remember, Brittany, and I literally had to coach myself. We all do. It's okay. It doesn't matter how great or successful you are or wonderful. You still have to do these things. And I was like, remember, there are always more clients. If they say no, and they're not the ones for you, you can sell this to someone else there. You will, you know, and I really had to, had to put, and it helped so much. And I went into that meeting way more confident. I would did not sound desperate. I, cause I wasn't desperate. Cause I knew they weren't the only ones that needed me. Right. And, right. and I was able to, like, you're saying really come off more authentic, more genuine and just chill and not make it an awkward salesy situation, you know? I completely agree. I think, I think so often we get, especially in the last couple of years that are um, trying to think of a good description of this, like our, our visual audience has become two-dimensional and it's become the people that are right in front of us. And while that is beneficial to those that can see past that, because if you think about it now, like I, I, I was in sales, you know, a couple of years after the internet was created. So I'm just saying that not to, not to (laughs) pop another gray hair, but just to let people know, like my world was very limited on who I could sell. So there were times that I would, before I was walking into an account or walking out of an account that I would have those panic moments. Cause I'm like, I gotta make this work. Like I have a very limited audience here. Like if I don't get this, I'm, I got to figure out something else, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll compare that to now. Like when I started really ramping up my speaking, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, my network is so limited. I gotta, I gotta sell everybody. I gotta make this happen. I get, you know, here's my small universe. When in actuality, I started paying more attention to the vast number of people who needed my services or could use my services. And so I think too, I think a lot of times we get so blinded or we get this, we get these blinders put on as far as what is possible. And so again, the, the most beneficial thing to me is when you can develop a brand that people are talking about, because yes, it's tough, especially as a small business owner. And I've been there a couple of times where it's like, I'm out and I'm a one person marketing team and I am trying to tell all the people and I'm trying to do all the things. 
But if you can enact or, or you can you can enable your network to become referral sources for you or mark, you know, I call them you know, verbal guerrilla marketers. Like if you can get people talking about you and your services, I'd much rather have a hundred people sharing in conversation. Oh yeah, I saw this great speaker. Oh yeah, this guy does this great content. Or I saw this guy goofing off on the news. He was wearing a, an apron and gloves, but he was telling a really good story about how we can emotionally clean ourselves out. Um, when people are talking about you because of your authentic brand, you you are hiring a bunch of marketers that are working for you for free. Now, I have seen people, and this is genius to me, finding ways of enacting their current client base too, to get them to refer other business to them. And I think that in of itself, and that, that could be a whole nother topic, a whole nother podcast, but going to your client base and asking for feedback and asking them like, what are they liking? What are they not liking? What can you do better? And oh, by the way, if you know somebody else who could use this product, service, offering, class, whatever, I'm offering a, you know, bring your friends discount or bring your friends bonus or whatever and make it a party. Because people are motivated. If, if I like you and I am now incentivized to not only refer you for free, but now you're giving me something else to incentivize me, you can bet that I'm out there talking on your behalf, promise you all day long. Right, right. Yeah, and that's actually a really cool topic in itself is the whole like referral and like in the in online marketing, they call it like uh, UGC, user generated content. So like if somebody bought your shirt and they posted a video and like, look, I'm wearing the shirt I bought from her and you know, these kinds of things. And then of course you wanna share that stuff. I mean, to turn this little, conversation we just had into tangible action items for people listening. You, you really do need to think about these opportunities of referrals and, and testimonials, uh, quotes, uh, anything from, from an existing client, even if you've only had one client, you have one client so far, and that's all you've had, you know, be super sweet, give them a mm -hmm. call <laughs> and see <laughs> right. if you can work out to get some sort of a quote or <clears throat> excuse me, or a review, or I mean, good Lord, a video is like gold, but, and you oh, can wow. actually use those things that go out there. Cause what is it about that? That's so powerful. Like, I know this is a little off topic, but I'm just I, it's so true. Like I, I was taught that earlier on, like in sales type coachings mm -hmm. and things about um, like third party oh, validation is the right word, but whatever. It's mm -hmm. so, it is so powerful, right? Like it works on me. If I see somebody that I know and trust in real life and they right. bought this widget, I'm like, okay, I might could buy it too. Sure. Know? So I think that the most valuable thing for especially small business owners or content creators to think about is when you're marketing something, you're marketing the promise. You're marketing the promise of a benefit. You're marketing the promise of a result. But if you have somebody who can actually testify to what that actually was, that, that is worth its weight in gold. Because we all expect to be sold by business owners. We all expect to have something marketed to us by, by business owners. But when somebody else who has used your product, used your service, even if you, know, you, you can assume that maybe there's some sort of a, an agreement of referral, but if somebody's willing to say, hey, I, you know, think of a restaurant, like restaurants are going to market you market themselves all day long. But if you ask somebody like, hey, I heard you went to a really good restaurant the other night. What was it? Oh, my gosh, I went to this place. They had a great atmosphere. The service was fantastic. The food was incredible. I guarantee I'm going to give it a shot. Yep. Because the thing about it is, is that that third party validator is putting their reputation as a recommender on the line as well. And so it's one thing to say, hey, believe in me and my service and my product as the business owner. But then if you're out there recommending, think about the last time you recommended something to somebody else. Like there's nothing worse than saying, oh my gosh, I loved that movie. And somebody like, oh, that movie sucked. You know, or, <laughs> or you know, I went, I, this restaurant's my favorite restaurant in the entire city. And then somebody goes and has a bad experience. What's the most awkward conversation? Oh, did you guys get to go? Yeah. Mm, I don't know if we just went on a... I don't know if we went on a bad night. Like what's the most, <laughs> right. you know, that's, that's like the polite way of saying your recommendation sucked. You know, it's- Yes, it's and like, that does not feel good. Yeah, I think maybe everybody was just in a bad, or maybe like the, the moon was in mercury retrograde or something, <laughs> the, the staff was just off, the food was weird, the cook must have not been feeling well, but I don't know. But you know, it's, it's our polite way of saying your recommendation sucked. Right. So that person's not going to recommend a service or a business unless there's some validity to it. And so right. we feel more connected to the end result and the person that experienced the end result than the person that's actually delivering the promise. Right. Right. Exactly. That's funny. <laughs> I 
laughs because I'm envisioning like I know I've been in those situations where I'm like oh I I liked that movie I'm sorry that you now spent two hours of your life on it my recommendation and um hated it my bad um yeah I've been in that conversation way too many times because I'm (laughs) I'm a picky eater I'm a hotel snob and I'm a I'm a picky movie person too or music too like you know you and I are both music fans yes Somebody, same, same. a friend of mine sent me a song one time. They're like, oh my gosh, you, I thought about you the other day. You're totally going to love this song. I'm like, at what point did you hear this song that you thought of me? And what misconception of me do you have that made you think that I would like this song? Um, but it's always you like, you know oh. me at all? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need to question our friendship now. Like, if you thought I would like this song and is this atrocious, like, how well do we really know each other? So... <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's like, uh, it. yeah, my Spotify went out. Um. <laughs> what song? That's so funny. So, <laughs> this is also like not planned kind of off topic, but I think that that you and I can both relate to this whole thing because it's Peloton. Like, I feel like there are, you can use them as an example for, I mean, nobody's perfect, whatever, fine. There's haters. Sure. But in general, I feel like they're a pretty good example of, um, authenticity with the instructors. Now, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I mean, that's a good example of like, cause each of those instructor instructors, excuse me, have essentially built a personal brand, whether they really intended to or not and by right. showing up on these classes publicly and being themselves, hopefully it does surely mm-hmm. seem to be that way. And you notice the ones that are super uh, popular um, probably are the ones that are being a little bit more bold with their personality. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Cody Rigsby is like the first person that comes to my mind. Um, sure. But I think that that's a good example, right? I know a lot of, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Pelotoners that listen to the show in that, that, that that base that's also like a teamwork thing because like individually right they've done their mm-hmm. classes they come on they show their personality they you know and you choose who you connect with but as a group it kind of like gives the company as a whole a good reputation I feel like right because they have right. all these different kinds of representation and these people are being themselves mm-hmm. and there's no it's no wonder that when people are in Peloton they love it you make the right. connection. Yeah, I think you know, I, I think it's a perfect example of how this all works too. I think to your point, like I don't understand. I know I've heard some things behind the brand, completely negligible to the conversation. But I think from a from a consumer standpoint, you know, I thought about it the other day where you know somebody somebody I think it's also like I'm such a brand snob as far as Peloton goes. Like when a friend of mine posts it, like, hey, I did a ride on this other bike. I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you mm-hmm. what are you even doing? Like, like what's wrong with you? That doesn't even like, count. Sorry. Right, exactly. Like <laughs> if you're not doing a Jess King ride, get off my feed. Um, so you know, to me, I think they've done a, a beautiful job of a couple of different things. Number one, I think I feel like they have stayed very true to their brand of engaging people, helping people be their best selves, but meeting people where they are. And and I I have yet to have done a workout or a ride or anything where the some sort of sentiment of if you need to improvise, go for it. Make this your workout. Like it's, it's not, you have to do this or it's not going to work. Like I've never, ever felt that once. Um, I think they've also done a beautiful job of bringing on instructors and creating a roster of instructors that speaks to everybody. If you think about the full roster of, of instructors and all the different realms that they teach, I will say flat out, there are some that I adore. You know, the Kendall tools, the Jess Kings, the Adrian Williams, you know, the Olivia Amato's, the, 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 um, the Anna Greenberg's, you know, those are the, those are my people. Like I have a core group of people that I'm like, if they don't have a new class, I'll go back in time and find one of theirs. And then I've also, you know, kind of back to the point of recommendations. I have somebody recommend one of the other, other instructors who I won't name, um, the person or nor the instructor. Uh, but I took one of the, the instructor's rides. I was like, this is awful. I am not like, this does not appeal to me at all. But what I think they've done a beautiful job of is appealing. Not that there's anything wrong with that individual, not that there's anything wrong with their playlist or their style. They're just not my style. They're not my cup of tea. But I think they've done a beautiful job of stacking their roster with people that appeal to the mass. It's not, you don't have a roster of Kindle tools. You don't have a roster of Jess Kings. You have a wide variety of people who appeal to all kinds of people. So I think they've done a great job with that, but it, but I think the, the vulnerability piece, and I think too, if you, you know, kind of going back to the relationship management thing I said earlier, if you're a Pelotoner and you think about the first three people from an instructor standpoint, who are your top three instructors? There's a reason for each of those. Like if you said, okay, Adrian Williams, why? Jess King, why? Kendall Toole, 
why? Anna Greenberg, why? There's an emotional connection there somehow, some way. Each of them, I could say like, hey, here's why I like this individual. They, they resonate with me because, and I feel this way about their class. I took a Robin Arzon class the other day and I was motivationally blown away because yeah. she's just that good. So right. I think too, it's that it's the, their individual authenticity and brand. Um, I think it's their own, you know, when they pick their own playlists and they're talking, they're telling their own stories and they're sharing their own stories. They're encouraging you. They're talking about times when they've struggled. Like, I think that authentic, that authentic approach to perfectly imperfect yeah. makes their brand. I think it hundred percent makes their brand. It totally does. You're so right. And it's, it's just a cool, uh, relatable example for a lot of people listening to, to look at what those individual people are doing. And it's just, you can do a similar thing in your own personal brand when you show up and you're representing your business and in yourself as an individual, you be you. And like you said, authenticity, like being genuine, not, not chasing trends, um, just sticking to what you truly know and what you feel like you're maybe called to do and to help people with, and it's going to shine through. It's not instant gratification. Unfortunately, most right. of the time, if you just get a little bit of patience and yeah. you're being yourself, it's, it's amazing what can end up happening, you know? Well, and, and I, the quote I saw the other day that I loved, and it applies to both personal and business too, is that stop trying to make everybody like you because you don't even like everybody. Like, I think <laughs> that that's the other thing is that we, we, we get so worried about being, completely hundred percent perfect to everyone. Like I want to have the perfect brand to everyone. I want to have the perfect business for everyone. I want everybody to want to do business with me. I want everybody to really enjoy me. That literally is impossible. Like that's not going to happen. Now, if you find the right audience that says like, Hey, I really resonate with this type of people. Like there will be people that will hate my keynote presentations. And I understand that because they just don't like my style. They don't like somebody who's energetic and telling stories and they want somebody who is very data and very scientific, almost professor-ish. You know, right. that's not me. So you're gonna, you're really not gonna like the 60 minutes that you spend with me. And I, what, once I got past that understanding, like my world opened up and I became a lot more relaxed about my business because now understanding like, oh my gosh, if I don't, if I don't win a bid or if I'm not picked for a, a conference or if I'm not picked for a client, like not me. It's just, it's something that they, they want this thing. And I'm not that hundred percent. And I'd much rather not be involved in that than worry about trying to compromise who I am or change who I am to fit what, whatever they want. If they want somebody to come out there and tell stories about country music, sorry, I'm not your guy. Like I'm not, I can make some up, but they're not going to be authentic. So I think it's, I think it's not worrying about being hundred percent perfect and being the solution for everyone. Right. Yeah, it, that I've lived that myself and it's, it's not easy to do, but you're right. When I too got better at that in not wanting to please every single person in every single place and every corner of the world and every personality and every, everything, um, things really did actually start opening up. It's kind of interesting how, when you kind of, when you focus things open, it's, it seems, um, ironic to say, but it's totally true. And like, as a, as a performer, I like, in which I, you, you relate to this, like you, that's, you know, you want, you're trying to please the crowd. Like I'm here for you mm -hmm. and I want you to like me and all these things. So right. it was definitely a shift, but, but you're spot on. It makes a huge difference. Um, before I let you go, <clears throat> I want to know if you'll give like, some parting words of encouragement specifically for though, somebody who's in the earlier stages of the process. Mm -hmm. So it's er mm -hmm. early on in their business and, and building a brand on social media, just doing all those things. And, it, and they're looking at it like, holy shit, this is like a mountain. How am I going to mm -hmm. get up there? What would you say to that person that might help them start to just move forward and take action in the way, in an authentic way, of course. Sure. Um, several, a couple of things come to mind. I'll try to run down the list because I know I can be long-winded, but I'll try to keep it, keep <laughs> it brief. Um, number one, sort out who you are before you really launch into things. What is, what is your brand? Like, how do you want to be known? How do you want to be perceived? And if you write that down and there's any discrepancy between who you currently are and who you're, who you're putting yourself out there to be, you may need to reevaluate that. Not in the sense that you, that you're not good enough. It's just that I'd much rather hear you now and you authentically and grow with you 
then then try to like you're trying to keep up with this image that you're trying to portray that's not you it's going to drive you crazy it's absolutely going to drive you crazy so i think i think understanding who you truly are as a brand is is number one uh number two is be patient and i know again like we've said this several times already like it's hard patience is i am one of the least patient people i know same <laughs> but once i understood that this was a long game like this is this is if you want to be in business Nobody gets in business and says like, I really want to be in business for three to five years. Like nobody, if you really are passionate about what you're doing, that's not the conversation. You're like, this is what you want to do for the rest of your life. Entrepreneurs are getting into business to, you know, if you're just in it to make money, that's all another, again, a whole nother conversation. But if you're not doing something that you're truly passionate about, then you're, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, but nobody's like, I'm going to give it a good three to five years. I'm going to make as much money as I can. I'm going to get out of it. Oh, that's probably not the best business strategy. Although it sounds wonderful, you're going to carry that brand with you each and every day of the three or five years that you're going to be in business. So that that's a bad idea. Um, so uh, brand, patient, engage. And what I mean by that is take time to respond to comments. Take take time to ask people what they want. Take time to ask the questions. Take take time to ask for feedback. That engagement. Again, it's the quality versus quantity debate. I, you know, I tell people all the time, like if you're actually directly engaging with people and answering questions and responding to comments, like I respond to every single comment on every post that I put up on LinkedIn, period. Like I wanna make sure that people understand that I hear them, that I see them, that I appreciate them taking the time. And that has helped me build the brand that I have now. Like people understand how engaged and real I am because I am consistent in my authenticity. I am consistent in my messaging. I'm consistent in how I, how I engage people. Um, so take the time, even if you have to block the time. And to segue to, to point number four is take care of yourself. Because again, like we, especially with entrepreneurs, we get so caught up in all the things. And yes, starting up your own business is hard. I'm not gonna say that it's not. There's a big time commitment. There's a big resource and energy commitment. It is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. Um, and everybody that I've talked to has started their own business will say the same thing. Um, so give yourself that five minute break in between meetings to, to listen to a song that puts you in a good mood. Give yourself 10 minutes after lunch to go for a walk and clear your head because chances are you didn't really take lunch off. You ate at your desk. Um, you know, get up and exercise in the morning to set your mood the right way. Have fun. Like I, that's why I love your content. And like, every time you pop up on my feed, like I stop and watch what you're doing and I pay attention because you have fun. And that makes me have fun. It makes me remind myself to have fun because a lot of the times, like you're very serendipitous. And, uh, you know, as much as I will complain about the algorithm of Instagram at times, I'm like, I'm just in a mood and I'm, I'm scrolling and I'm just looking for something. And inevitably it's you that pops up. And I'm like, okay, I'm better now. So Aww. I think that, you know, take your time to, to celebrate yourself to your point, take time to take care of yourself. Um, but implement those things that you need and don't think that, okay, I'm taking five minutes to go for a walk. That's five minutes. I could be responding to emails or that's five minutes. I could be working on my website. Shut up. Like you're, you're going to run yourself into the ground. If you don't do those things and take your time and take care of yourself, you know, it is really, really critical. Cause again, I'm only doing what I'm doing because I did the same thing. I ran myself into the ground. I thought I was having a heart attack. I was having a panic attack because I was trying to do all the things. So I speak from experience. I don't want to, and that's why I speak on what I do is that I don't want to see anybody else wind up in the hospital for no reason. Right. <laughs> number one, because it's not cheap to go to the hospital, but number two, I, I want to make sure that it's not the time that you could be doing something else that you could be enjoying your life, your friends, your family, your, your kids, your, you know, your vocation, whatever it is, much rather do that than have you sitting in a, in an ER room, listening to a, a monotonous beep. That's just, the, you know, I don't want to have people do that. So please, please, please take care of yourself and implement some self-care activities. Ah, perfect. Gold. Like <laughs> exactly what I was, what I was looking for, for you to offer up. Cause I know that's going to be so inspiring and so helpful. Those are things that people can actually be doing and working toward in the beginning and hell, you know what? Not even just the beginning. We start to think we're a little hot shit once we get into stuff and we start kind of making a little bit of money, but we should always check ourselves. What, uh, mm -hmm. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> exactly. Well, and two, I think, you know, and, and I'll kind of segue into an offering is that um, I have a document that I want to share with you to share with your listeners. It's 50 things that you can do in under five minutes because I got to a point where I was like saying all these things and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have time. 
I don't have time for self-care. I don't have time for these things. I'm like, if you have five minutes in your day, you have time for self-care. So I have a document I'm going to share with you to share with all your listeners. It's free. I just want them to be able to take care of themselves. So to anybody who says, well, I'm listening to this and I don't have time to do it. Bullshit. Like you have five minutes, you can go take care of yourself. I'm going to give you 50 ways that you can do that. So you pick one. I don't care what it is. But just please, again, take the time to take care of yourself. Oh, perfect. Okay, good. Well, we'll make sure the link to that is in the show notes and on our website. So it's very easy for everybody to get to get that free download. Thank you so much for that offer. Um, Thank you for being here. I really, really think that you are so super cool. I really do. And I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you having me on. It was fun. And again, I hope, you know, people that are listening, take away a few things. And if anything, if they just now know that they need to take five minutes to take care of themselves, then, then I've won the day. So there we go. Exactly. That it's so valuable. And before we go, tell everybody how they can find you. What are the best ways your website and then like the best social media way to connect with you? Sure. Um, best way to find everything about me is on richbracken.com. Uh, all my social media links are there. All you know, my Spotify link, Instagram, LinkedIn, the whole nine yards. Um, Instagram and Twitter are at richbracken1. Uh, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And my Spotify channel is one of the best. As a former national touring DJ, I take pride in my Spotify. I'm not going to apologize. I'll put it toe to toe against anybody else's playlist collection. I got the best one, period. Oh my God. We went all this time and didn't talk about the DJ. All right. <laughs> You're going to have to come back. So I would love talk to talk more about that. Even if yes. it has absolutely nothing to do with business, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you so much, Rich. All right. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks for listening to today's show, y'all. For more information about the podcast, go to socialsunshinepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to the Social Sunshine Podcast YouTube channel. For more information about me, go to brittanycrossin.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, and Clubhouse. The Social Sunshine Podcast is a Fun Love Media production. Funlovemedia.com. Bye.